How's it going? Going well. How are you? It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. <laughs> so, how's it going? It's going great. I just asked that. Yeah. Don't ever answer the same question I ask you twice. <laughs> uh, I guess we should probably introduce ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, you want to go first? You want me to go? <laughs> no. I'll introduce myself. Uh, my name is Jerry Crago. I uh, own a little record store here in Flint, Michigan. Um, and I have been playing video games uh, since I was, I believe, five years old. When, uh, so my 10 dad... years, everybody. <laughs> that makes it 33-ish years yeah, uh, yeah. when my, uh, my dad went out and bought my family an NES, uh, including uh, Mr. Rob the Robot. Uh, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I'm a bit of a lapsed gamer. Uh, Mike, how about you? I feel like we should probably tell people what we're doing. Yeah, that's a good idea. You got to introduce yourself. Yeah, first. I'll introduce myself. Okay. So now, my name is Mike uh, Michael Pitts. I uh, am a little older than Jerry, and uh, my whole life has been ruined by video games. So uh, much like you, my first experiences. My first experiences were really probably. Atari and like Pong. I remember vividly my dad bringing home like an old Pong machine at sure. our old house when we we moved from that house in 1987, and it was well before that. Uh, so, but really my history be, begins more so with with the NES and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah so this is like a podcast and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, it's called something. Yeah, it's called uh, <laughs> the Lost Joystick Network. Right, is what we've come up with. Right, and it's not really a network yet. Although not so much. Who knows what it would blossom into? Certainly. Right certainly. now, it's it's just a spoke. There's no hub. The, the network <laughs> is us. It yes, is, it is a network of uh, two individuals. Right now, idiots is the word you were looking for. Yes. There. Yeah. So human beings. But yeah, so uh, I'm in my mid 40s and uh, recently moved. I'm from Michigan originally. We 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 uh, record out of Michigan, and uh, just recently moved back a couple of years ago. Uh, but I guess we should also talk about. Like, what, what is it that you say we're going to do here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, I think we should probably define the scope of the show, right? Like, it's sure. such a nerd word. I live in sales engineering world. But I think ultimately the, the goal here is we really just want to talk about games that we've played. Were they good then? What was our perception of them then? What was our perception of them now? And maybe learn some stuff along the way, right? Absolutely. And yeah. then really where it will... This window is moving now, right? Where it used to be, okay, uh, we're going to start with the NES because, like, everything prior to the NES to me was very rudimentary. It was very basic. Sure. Right. So uh, it starts there, and then it's it, at one point I said, okay, we'll run to PlayStation 1. Right. But now I'm like, eh, GameCube's like 17 years old or something now. I don't right. even know. So it kind of drifts into that. People like yeah. to divvy things up by generation. I don't really do that. Right. But I would say that... The year, you know, like the Dreamcast, PS2, GameCube is about where it ends for me, right? That sounds right. Yeah. And I, just like anything, the definition of the word retro is is pretty movable. Um, you know, when people are talking about vintage clothing, um, you know, they will say, oh, well, it's something that has to be over 20 years old or it has to be over 30 years old. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're doing. You know, it's, it's a movable window. So. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Some people are like, oh, once it hits 15 years old, it's retro. But I'm like, 2005, that's like a year away from like the Wii and the PS3. You know? Sure. So sure. like, I don't ever foresee, and I, who knows? I mean, we could you know, do one, one episode or 100 but, or 1,000, but I just don't really ever see getting to those mediums. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, so 
starting with the NES and ending with the uh, GameCube generation. And s- literally starting with the NES. Yeah, we're going to start with... A classic. Balloon Fight. Yeah, Balloon Fight. <laughs> the launch game <laughs> came out in 1987 in the United States. Yep, absolutely. And... Um, People equated a lot of people say that it's a port of Joust. <laughs> it's the one that we didn't play of those launch well, titles. No, there were more than one. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, funny. It's that balloon fight. People do say like, oh, it's like it's like a. They always want to compare it to Joust, like Balloon Fight came first, and it's like that's not how it worked. But, no, but no. we're not here to talk about Balloon Fight. No, not at all. I also do want to say that you know, as we get into the groove of recording this. I think we're going to try and do weekly, bi-weekly. We'll see how it goes and, you know, whatever. Sure. But I do believe that we'll probably talk about what's going on in the retro world, right? So yep. when things happen, which is basically on a daily basis right now, and things are moving in this weird, crazy direction, you know, we'll, we'll talk about them. Like, if Analog puts out a new console, like, they're just Analog puts out these high-end you know, like revisions of like NES hardware or SNES hardware and they become very expensive. But now they've done a pocket one that plays like every Game Boy game ever and you're going to be able to do this and that with it. They're not cheap, but from what I can tell, they're worth it. But my point here is is that as those kinds of things happen, I don't expect this. We are not going to be a news delivery mechanism, but we will certainly talk about what's going on in in the retro gaming community. Because it is its own little world. So, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly talk about that. Also, you know, anything kind of notable, uh, you know, say there's a, a notable uh, sale or something like that. Uh, yes. You know, some, something comes up that doesn't normally come up. Perhaps uh, there is a large Steam sale that you'll hear about as you go back and back catalog and listen to this three years later and be like, wow, I wish I'd have got that. <laughs> well, I, I more meant if there was sort of a, uh, you know, a, a shift in the market. Say uh, a recent, monumental price shift. Yeah. Say recently, uh, what's been going on with uh, COVID, uh, the prices of games. I'm sure anyone that would care to listen to this <laughs> knows uh, have gone up dramatically, and that is not news. It made them expensive. Yes. More expensive. Yeah, all of them. And we, yeah, we can talk about all that. I don't. I mean, I want to stay on topic if I can, but I will say that I feel like people aren't going to be able to collect retro games much longer. <laughs> like unless it's you have a lot of deep people out. pockets. Yeah. Some things will always be accessible, but you're getting to the point now where it's like it's getting ridiculous. So anyway. It is. Yeah. But that's not here or there. Sure. Although we will talk about collecting a little bit in the episode. Like some of the things I want to touch on, we we're gonna obviously talk about background and development, the release, uh, you know, the gameplay itself. Uh, things associated with it and then really um what its reception was and our own personal experiences and legacy and then i'll uh, at the end if anybody's still listening (laughs) prayer sent hopefully yeah um i want to talk a little bit about things like collecting and speed running and how things have kind of modernized when it relates to retro games what's the price of entry how can i play it nowadays those Mm -hmm. those kinds of things so all right enough with all that what do you want to talk about well, uh, the game that we have chosen to talk about today is uh, it's a it's a certified banger. It's a classic, one hundred percent bang. I only yep. listen to bangers. Yeah, that's all. Right. We we only play bangers. Actually, we're not only going to play bangers here. No, it's that's uh, very we're going to play a lot of junk too. But uh, we chose to start the podcast off with a, an actual positive experience, and we're going to be talking about the Legend of Zelda today. I've heard of it. Yeah, I heard yeah. of it. A couple of people have heard of this game. Um, it's uh, you know, it's uh, still 
relevant today as it was when it was <laughs> as released. impactful and relevant and influential today uh, as it was 33 yes. years ago yes of course all right so i guess let's talk a little bit about the uh background and development of this game yeah what do you know uh well uh the person that is probably most uh related to legend of zelda is uh miyamoto he's the person that they sort of always talk bill about. miyamoto yes bill miyamoto <laughs> William S. Preston Miyamoto Esquire. Correct, correct. Um, but he is sort of the, uh, you know, it, it was his dream that, uh, that spawned this game. And I mean that in a literal sense. Uh, if you do enough uh, Googling on this, you can kind of see that the Zelda franchise uh, was in part, you know, created because of a dream Miyamoto had. Yeah. And uh, kind of led, led down this road. The composer, Koji Kondo, uh, on this game was also responsible for Punch-Out, the arcade version, uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 and 3, many more Zelda games to come, and Super Mario World. So, Among um, other things. And we'll get yeah, to we'll no get to Mr. Kondo. Like, there's a section later on I want to talk about because the guy is... It's ridiculous. You know the most ridiculous thing? You, like, also, um, Takashi Tezuka was the person who wrote the story, right? right? So, like, Miyamoto comes up with these ideas and, like, He's the person who named, like, Zelda or, like, you right. know, I had this premise of, like, well, you know, adventuring around in my old neighborhood and, you know, right. in Kyoto. Or I remember where it was he lived when he grew up. Right. But that was the basis of it was, the like, this whole adventuring type thing. And then Tezuka wrote the story. Right. Koji Kondo wrote the music. The most amazing part, the most amazing part of all of this, to me, is that all three of these guys still work at Nintendo. All of them are still there. That's truly, what world is this? That's truly insane. Nobody works anywhere like uh, since 1984, right? And especially within the tech world, uh, you know, if you know anyone that works in the tech world, or uh, specifically within video games, you know, somebody will work at a studio maybe a year or two nowadays, at most, and kind of uh, be moving on to the next spot. So yeah. for these all three of these guys to still be at Nintendo, it hurts uh, my head a little bit. Yeah, like how much? Like these guys got to make some money. I would hope so. But yes, it's uh, it's like this weird, impressive thing. When I, as I was like researching this, I thought to myself, every one of them is like, if you go look at just like their basic Wikipedia page or whatever, sure. it's like, is a so and so at Nintendo? Is a this and this? And right. you're just like, really? Yeah. Like they've all been there for thirty plus years, right? And not moved on or retired or retired, yeah. which I think is the most interesting. But you know, different world over there. Of so, course. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting was that this game was also inspired by Adventure from Atari. Which, right. when I when I I know we said in general Atari will not be a big part of the discussion, but I will say, <laughs> I'll spare you the the horrible story of Atari till another day. But um, the the games I think of when I think of Atari, like the games I liked, right? Adventure was one of them. Adventure sure. was this game where I was like. There's more to this than just trying to get points. There's more to this than, you know, like trying to get to the top of whatever. There's there was some depth. Yeah, there was there was depth. That in, in Pitfall 2, I think, when I really think of games from Atari, those are the ones that always resonated with me. Pitfall 2 probably being my favorite. But Adventure was one that I was like, oh, there's like something chasing me. And it, if I drop this thing, it's not chasing me anymore. How does it know right. that? Like it blew right. my mind, you know, as at like eight years old or whatever the hell right. it was. You it, know? was it was a new thing. Yeah, so... But yeah, all right, so let's talk a little bit about the release of the game. Sure. So 
the game came out now. Dates for releases of video games uh, in this era are general. Yep. I don't think anybody can ever really... You can go and do some forensic investigation and try and figure right. it out. But really, at this point, when things came out, it's when people got them. So if something showed up at your store, unless there was an actual release date, like Sonic Tuesday or whatever it was, mm-hmm. there was, it was like, oh, it's here. It's for sale. That's, sure. that's how it works. So there was sure. no waiting or hype or whatever it was. So, um, But this game was originally released on the Famicom Disk System, which was a... For the lack of a better term, diskette-based uh, system that uh, the Famicom, which is the you know yeah. uh, Japanese NES or well, uh, the, sure. whatever the fam- family computer, the Famicom, yes, yeah, as, right. as Howard Phillips so uh, poignantly says, it is the Famicom. So whenever I hear that, <laughs> I think I don't want to say Famicom, but if Howard right. Phillips says Famicom, I probably I should guess say that's what it is. Famicom. Sure, yeah. If anybody knows, it's him. Right. But yeah, so it was released on a disc system, which if people don't know, like your Famicom's, I just said it, yep. it sits on top of it. It's a, essentially a disc drive, and you would be able to, the, the whole premise of it was that you'd be able to buy discs, buy a game, and just rewrite the game to the disc right. at a special station in, in, a, in, a, you know, in, a, in a shopping mall or a store in, in Japan. Right. And you would, they would not have to do hardware distribution. They would simply have to just write yeah. a game to a disc. they just dub it for you real Didn't quick. Didn't go so good. Right. A lot of problems <laughs> with it. And it got bootlegged all the hell, too, because... Uh, it's pretty easy to like, do. Yeah, the, the store can do it, I can yeah, do it. Yeah, the copy protection was uh, circumventable, <laughs> and the discs had problems, and you know how it is, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Start dealing with the, the public, and if you don't control the medium... Then it becomes your fault if things don't work perfectly, whatever. So anyway, it came right. on the Famicom Disk System. It was a launch title for that system in uh, February. It says February 21st, 1986. I mean, again, these dates are all debatable. Um, so for the U.S. release, it got converted to a cartridge because there was no disk system for the NES. Correct. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it says here August 22nd, 1987, so we're coming up on the 33rd anniversary of its release. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty interesting because... It, it was the first cartridge I remember where you could like save your game, right? Yeah, so it had here. a battery backup. Yep. And uh, you know, I'm a was not always dependable. Well, you know that you're supposed to like press reset Set, while you turn yep. the power off. Push reset, off, which has been debunked all forever. Yeah, yeah. Like I still don't understand it. Like growing up in that era, I understand how it works technically because I'm a nerd. Okay. Yeah, of course. But I don't understand, like. Thinking about it in its most simple terms, I go, yeah, I understand. It lost it lost a charge for a minute. Right. Something happened where it was not consistently getting three volts or whatever, and it wiped it. Something, what, some arbitrary could yeah. have been the microwave, whatever. Yeah. You know, you know, not really, but well, you know what I mean. Someone's me gonna up. say, oh, it wasn't the microwaves. Don't interfere with battery backups. It set me up for a lifetime of occasionally your game just gets erased. Re- yeah, rebuilding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Learning to deal with the disappointment of loss. <laughs> yes, exactly. But and I will say this as a as an aside. One of my favorite Nintendo games ever is Baseball Stars. Yes. It was put out by SNK. Yes. Great game. One of my favorites. But you yeah. built your own team. I loved it because you could name yep. your own players and you could give them their own stats. And I don't have time for any of this in my life nowadays. But Not when a, I was no. 14, it was awesome. At all the time. Built my own players yeah. and all that stuff. But there'd be a time where I'd just go turn it on and it was gone. And I'm like, what crap? Hap- what yeah. happened? Exactly. And yeah. I would just rebuild it. What am I going to do? I'm like 14. I had yeah. nothing to do. I got all night. Yeah, I had all night. There was literally nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, but yeah, so it was the first cartridge that used a battery backup. Of course. It used the MM1 uh, integrated circuit. So that was a way for them to like memory, memory management, like nerd stuff. But it allowed them to do different types of scaling or scrolling and blah, blah, sure. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
Um, but the most, the most, you know, renowned part of all of it was the fact that it was in a gold cartridge. <gasps> and gold. I, at that at that point in my life, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think, oh, that's like. It was just the different one. Sure. It was I, not... I didn't think a lot of it. As it sat with our other Nintendo games as a kid, I remember, you know, it looked different. Obviously, uh, you know, there, there was one other cartridge that we had that was gold, which was the the sequel to Zelda, Link. Um, and then we had some Tengen games, which were, you the, know, they yeah, were in a black. unlicensed. Yeah, yeah. You ever they read were... the story or hear any of that stuff? You ever, yeah. like, yeah, that's a great story about. It's super interesting. <laughs> like, what about, you can't get away with that stuff nowadays. Not at all. go to the patent office and ask for the details on how this worked because we might have a lawsuit. Psych. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, damn, exactly. man, that, you didn't think people were going to figure this out? Like, yeah. come on. But I mean, the the cart certainly. It was Atari, though. At its core, so I have of, no surprise. Of course, yeah, yeah. The the cartridge certainly stood out to me just a little bit, just because, you know, it was a different color, and I was a little kid. But yeah, I mean, I think I think that part of it was, uh, you know, it was a good, it was a good marketing move on their behalf. It it really was a brilliant marketing move when you look at it now, because one of the other things they did was there was actually a cutaway in the box. You had no idea Correct. in a regular yeah. Nintendo box, you would have never known that the cart was gold, yep. right? So they said, well, put a hole in the box so everybody can see. Mm-hmm. And like looking back on it now, it's awesome. Like it's it it's and it and we'll get into this later, but it it does lead people down this path of like, oh wow, this is this is really expensive because it's the gold cart. Yep. We'll we'll get into it a little bit more when we talk about collecting. Yeah. Um but, but yeah, it it also came with other things which you know that it was nice. It yeah. was it felt like we actually got our $60 worth or, yeah. or whatever it was at the yep. time, which a lot of times you would buy an NES game and it would not feel that way, Dude, uh, you know, less than I, an hour later. I literally remember getting, and I know, like, these ga- these games have been universally panned for the entirety of my adult life, but I, re- I vividly remember getting Friday the 13th and Back to the Future oh, yeah. and loving both of those franchises, especially Back to the Future. And then just making myself play it and trying to convince myself that it was good yeah. because it was I was not going to get another game anytime soon. How about something that we talk about ceaselessly? How about The Simpsons? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Same. Pretty big bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So it's just, it's just like, man. Oof. But anyway. Yeah. I, but yeah. So I just think it was uh, well thought out, right? The whole thing was really well done for the U.S. release, which is interesting because... One of the things I learned is I listened to, I will never say I read, but there's a book <laughs> called The Ultimate History of Video Games by Stephen Kent. And it's an interesting book with... What Stephen a, King? Yes. <laughs> yep. The Master of it's, Horror. It's a, mur- yeah, it's, a, it's a murder mystery about <laughs> Link and Mario. That sounds great. Yeah, I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably read it or listen to it. <laughs> My point is, I, I listened to this book, right, like the audio book, and one of the things that... I, first of all, one of the things I found is not everything in that book is true. <laughs> okay, so I've through my own research, I'm like, okay, this is, uh, you know, you're gonna have to pick your spots on whether it's true or not. But I do believe one of the things I learned was that basically the president of the uh, Nintendo of America, Minoru Arakawa, was like uh, pretty sure that U.S. gamers would not have the patience for this kind of game. I don't know. We just thought we were all idiots, which you know yeah. nowadays I I can't blame anybody for thinking that. He's at least ninety percent. Yeah, right. he's not he's not completely wrong. Uh-huh. But they basically took a prototype of the game and brought it over and had the U.S. employees, you know, vet it, and uh, they they said it was great. So, but it was interesting that I think they weren't even going to bring it over here. Like the the idea of possibly not bringing it over here ever existed, right? Right. And this is such a 
such a monumental game franchise. I mean, I know people with Zelda tattoos. I know yeah. people that, you know, have giant collections of things. I, I mean, there. There's one person I know in particular that has like all he collects is Zelda. He's not even a re- retro video game guy. He just collects all Zelda things. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's it's its own. Yeah, it's its own thing. Yep, <laughs> it is. And then what I always think is funny, and this is no exception, although this isn't that bad of an example. So Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we'll say PAL regions. That's what people always say. Right, we'll right, say right. Europe in this case. November 27, 1987 is when they got the game. In this case, that's only like three months later. Right. Not but I, I will tell you that in general, they usually get jammed up the butt when it <laughs> comes to, like, poor Europe was always like, and I don't know if it was just Nintendo stuff. They just always, like, two, three years later. Like, there's, I'm trying to remember which game for what it was. Like, maybe it was even just the Super Nintendo itself. Mm-hmm. It didn't show up over there until, like, two years after release over here. I'm like, yeah. wow, really? Yeah. But they were all Sega and, like, microcomputer. Like, the, the funny thing about, first of all, if we're referring to it, we have to call it the NES. If we're talking about European people and the Nintendo right. oper- entertainment system, it's the NES and the SNES and the Super Nintendo. Sure. Um, but they were, like... I think it's so funny how things are regionalized, right? Like, Nintendo and NES was gigantic in North America, and it was gigantic in Japan. Sure. But Brazil, Master System. It's all <laughs> Master System. In Brazil. Master to the system point only. where they released, like, Mortal Kombat on the Master System, and these games where you're like, wow, really? Interesting. Yeah. Like, can you imagine Mortal Kombat on NES? Um, or, not really. No. Uh, I had a Master System when I was a kid. Yeah. And let me tell you, I cannot imagine trying to play Mortal Kombat on that thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can't disagree with you there. But uh, yeah. but yeah, So, but my point is, in, in Europe, it, they loved Sega, which was the Mega... It's the Mega Drive over there. Sure, they called sure. the Genesis to the Mega Drive. I think the Master System is the Master System. I don't know, whatever. No. But uh, And then microcomputers. So what you'll find over in, 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 in Europe is most people were either fans of Sega or something like the Amiga or Commodore or the ZX Spectrum or whatever it is. You know, I don't know. So anyway. And then the funny part is it actually got re-released in 1994 uh, twice. I believe it was 94. First in Japan where they finally released it as a cartridge because it had only come out on the disc oh, system at that yeah. point. It was called the Hyrule Fantasy, The Legend of Zelda 1. <laughs> now, in 1994, at this point, you have Link. You have Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. Right. You have, I believe at that point, you're, you have A Link to the Past also has come out. Right. And that's just in the Zelda franchise. That's just, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then they're like, not, you know not what? Not to even speak of all the other RPGs who it, have kind of... Uh, right. Come, well, let's, let's throw Zelda back out there and... Sure. You know, I'm sure they made a bunch of money. I, I, yeah. So, whatever. Good for them. All right. So that's enough about whatever section that was. The release. Unless you have something else to add about the release. What do you got? Uh, no, not really. We can, we can keep going. I will say one thing. Do yourself a favor and avoid the commercials about The Legend of Zelda from that time period. Oh, yeah. There we are two. did mention this. Yeah. And neither are good. <laughs> and I know, like, this is... It's that kind of thing that if you're part of this community or you indulge in watching videos about old video games or mm-hmm. reading about it, you know some of this stuff... But, like, the general public, who none of them are listening to this, but, Dude, but I, they I don't. Think, yeah. So there was, a, there was a commercial about The Legend of Zelda in 1987 with John Kassir in it, who is the voice the, of the, the Crypt, Crypt Keeper. Keeper. Yeah. And he basically is dressed like, 
I I, I want to say a mime without face paint, or imagine somebody <laughs> in like a comedy trope, like like all like a black turtleneck and black pants, and he's mm-hmm. running around like screaming the names of the enemies in the game. Yeah, that's which... what I always wanted out of Zelda. It was a man in a black turtleneck <laughs> who sounded like the Crypt Keeper screaming about Octoroks. Well, I have good news for you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the video is a little grainy. <laughs> but it gets through. It's got what I want. Yeah, and it's got, it's got everything you just asked for. Um, it's really weird because I think to myself, I never really got too deep into the lore. When I say the lore, I mean like the enemy names. Like I knew like some of them. Sure. Mostly because they would piss me off. Yeah. Right? They were, they were in the manual and I would read them in Nintendo Power and things but like that. But sometimes they'd be like, yeah, so a tech type, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, which one is that? Right. Is that the red guy? Yeah. Which one is that? The blue guy? Yeah. There's a spider guy? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, Although I will say, I think, is it Zoda? What was the name of the dickhead? No. Oh, yes. No. (laughs) The princess is Zelda, idiot. (laughs) My my fault. You know what? It's not Zoda. You run the show. (laughs) I'm obvious. I'll see you guys. I got to go. No. uh, the, The dickhead, like, merman face thing that pops out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. I hate him. My least favorite enemy in the entire game. Oh, it's so and annoying. And that's worse than the blue dark knot guys. Yeah. Worse than the hamburger guys yeah. who eat your shield. Because he's just an by, annoyance. It's just like you like it. The, also, the, this guy with a fireball. What? Yeah. <laughs> whatever he shoots moves as fast as you do. Uh-huh. So if you're going straight, but if you start moving on an angle, it'll catch you. Oh, it will. And I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, there's. I will say, there's my absolute guilty pleasure of this game is when I get like the master sword or something, sure. and then I'm just like. Slap. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait for him. I got yeah. my shield. What do I care? Yeah. Shoot your stupid balls. And then as soon as he's like on the on the edge of the river, the lake or whatever, bam. Yep. And then he shows right back up. But right. whatever. I will also say that particular enemy is the shows the greatest disparity between his artistic rendering. Uh, I remember seeing uh, <laughs> yes. the, the, the illustration of him in the manual versus, uh, or it might have been a Nintendo Power, but I think it's whatever. in the manual. Versus what he actually looks like in the game, which is like a semi, I would say it's like a translucent thing that shoots a fireball and it just kind of a bunch of squiggles. They, they tried to put in a little bit too much detail uh, into that particular enemy. I, I will say that games of this era, you had to use your imagination a little There's bit more. There's a lot more. of imagination going There's, on. Yeah, but that's yeah. way, that, that might teeter into too far. Yeah, a little okay. bit. Well, and then the other, the other commercial, if you've seen it, is, how do I put this? Two idiots rapping. <laughs> and I mean like... As was the style at the time. Yeah. It, it, yeah. If you've ever seen that thing where Mr. Plow is going to get the... like, Mr. Plow says his new theme yeah. song is going to be a rap song. Yeah. That was the Legend of Zelda commercial yeah. with basically two teenage, you know, younger teenage boys sure. talking about the Legend of Zelda. Noah's Arcade. Yeah. And mm. any, any pop culture reference of that time. Yes. It's, it's just... Yeah. Uh, it did Bad not age rapping. well. Yeah, didn't age well. That doesn't style. surprise me. So anyway, don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I believe I, I believe I can hold to that. All right, cool. I'm now I'm gonna make you watch it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. Sure. I've never played it, so how does it go? <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. um, it's neat. Yeah. Uh, just uh, it's a non nonlinear adventure with RPG elements. Certainly, you could just say this. You know, this falls into the RPG category at large. I always um, would say that this would be an adventure game. Like, to me, an RPG that. game, yeah. and this was just me growing up, RPG games at that time were like Dragon Warrior or Dungeons sure. & Dragons. Sure. Like, you had a character, they had all these traits, you upgraded those traits. Sure. 
sometimes you had to roll a die. The original Final Fantasy. Yeah, Final was, Fantasy, good example. Yeah. Where you turn like, based, it's yeah. turn-based fighting, and they're not all that yeah. way. I get it. And that's yeah. why I think RPG elements is good, because yeah. you do have things like being able to increase your health. Or you do have things like being able to get better equipment. Like, you know, like, yeah. okay, I got this new, uh, you know, ring. Now I take a quarter sure. of the damage or whatever the hell it sure. is. It's like, that was cool to me where I was like, oh, wow. You know, I get this red bracelet and now I can kick everybody's ass, yeah. you know? like Yep. I, I do think, though, you can kind of lump those two things in, RPG and adventure games, into the larger category of things that will alienate me from lots of people yeah or women yeah like at that time like yeah sure if you need girl repellent these are the things you want you need zelda and dragon warrior (laughs) if you don't want girls around or boys or whatever you're into i don't know i don't care yeah i'm I'm fine with whatever others yeah let's just say other people like because this is a game you play maybe, by yourself. Maybe it's a better way to call it is uh, sex repellent. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I do think that's the case. And I, I, I mean, it's it's also intentional because it is. this is a game you played by yourself. This was not Pong. This was not Mario. Um, you know, that part of the appeal of those games was playing it with your friends. Yeah. And this is not a game you played with your friends. It this is a game you played alone. isolation. Yes. Darkness. You needed time. Yeah by yourself yep and it really wasn't super interesting to a lot of other people now that has evolved a little bit yeah i was gonna say and now there are people that just watch people play video games and that's what they do i will tell you that in when i was growing up not a lot of people were interested in it no and it was it was cool like don't get me wrong people were it was it was i don't want to understate its legacy okay certainly but i also will say like people were like you're a nerd yeah, or that's weird. Oh, this is where you get the master's. At some sure. point, like as you get a little bit, as as it got a little bit more socially acceptable, yep. people are like, oh wow, where do I do this, or how do I find that out, or how did you know this, of or course. whatever. You, you mentioned Dungeons and Dragons, and that very much, you know, reminds me of that. That that's a you know that has sort of broad appeal now. Um, but as a child who was playing Dungeons and Dragons because my dad learned to play in the Air Force, and he just needed somebody in his campaign when I was ten years old, I can tell you. That did not endear me to the folks at school. No, I played for two hours and then I was slain by an elf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, You're hanging um, with nerds, man. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was, that was very much yeah. it at that time. So the, the objective of The Legend of Zelda is to collect the Triforce. And what that consists of is in your first eight palaces, you are collecting uh, fragments of a... Of a large triangle. <laughs> Are they palaces or dungeons? They're levels in this game. That is true. Yeah. Levels. Um, Level one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I guess uh, you kind of see both. Like It looks like you're walking into a castle. It could be... You kind of have... like tough. The way tough it's to referred know. to is you have the overworld map. Right. right? And the underworld And map. then you have the underworld or the dungeons or the uh-huh. levels or whatever Where the Sopranos takes place. Right. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yep. That's where, you know, that's where people disappear. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, all those dark knots. <laughs> and then the, the ninth level... Uh, you're collecting, uh, you are facing off against Ganon, who is the nefarious villain in this particular version of Zelda, who has kidnapped Princess Zelda, and you are collecting the uh, the last piece of the Triforce that is kind of a large, you know, triangle that's hollowed out that kind of holds the rest of the pieces inside of it. So this is what always confused me. It's Triforce. Right. But it's in eight pieces. Yes. And those eight pieces are in a dungeon. Correct. And as I looked into this, I was like, 
The Triforce consists of power, wisdom, and courage. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't profess to be a, an expert. Like anybody can <laughs> record an episode of anything about anything. So I'm not pretending I know everything. But you have the eight pieces of the you know of it mm-hmm. that are the actual triangle, right? right? And that is the wisdom aspect of Triforce. The power aspect of the Triforce is the piece that you get when you walk into that room to fight Ganon. Mm-hmm. You grab it and you you hold it up first, which I always thought was very confusing. Absolutely. I was like, why did I get this thing? And now right. I got to fight the guy? Yeah. Whatever. And then you you know you, you kill him and yeah, or he faints or whatever they call it. If this is Pokemon world, they, he would faint. But yes. in the real world, yeah, Ganon is dead. But then he keeps showing up. He's never really dead. No. Um, and then the courage one, I'm like, where's that? I don't yeah, know where that part comes from. It's a good question. I, I <laughs> if anybody knows the answer to that, I would really like to know. Let us know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But um, um, but you you play as Link. That's probably an important thing to bring up. Um, <laughs> oh he, yeah, he is. You the, don't play as Zelda? No. No, that was confusing to people. I think a little it bit. It still at the time. is. It's not even yeah. was. It still is. Yeah. You, Sometimes you, I forget it myself. <laughs> Link is the main character. He's the protagonist in in, in the Zelda franchise. You know, but Zelda is uh, typically the person who is being you know rescued, and the, the narrative is flipped on that uh, as of recent. But in these games, Zelda was the princess. Don't you just feel like she needs better security? Like Much man, better. like. Like, Legend of Zelda came out in, like, 86, 87, right? Sure. And yeah. Legend of Zelda 2 came out not even a year later. Yep. If you go back and look, I always thought Legend of Zelda 2 came out later. But it was not that much longer in the no. U.S. And, no. You know, probably because they're like, holy, we have it a huge successful. hit on our hands. Yeah. Put just this like thing out. Yeah. But, like, you, dude, you, you just spent your entire, like, who knows how long going to these dungeons. You finally get her. Sure. And then the next thing you know, she's, like, a sleeper. I don't even know. Like, yeah. oh. I think they employed uh, Princess Peach's uh, security company. Oh, we'll talk about that another yeah, day. Yeah, they, they just, they just don't some, do a good job. There's just something about it, man. It doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But anyway, yeah, so, yeah, like your point. Like, obviously, this this game introduces, like, all of these, like, now, like, huge characters. Like, Link, Zelda, Ganon. The, these are, like, franchises in themselves. Everybody they knows. Are. Everybody knows who these are nowadays. Yep. Unless you're some idiot. Okay, you're some rube, you yeah. know. Like do you, you don't know who these people are, really. Of course, you don't know yeah. who Zelda and Link are. I'm not. We're not going to be friends. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, that's true. I've heard uh, you say that to people. It's. I said it to a guy today, <laughs> <laughs> and that guy was you. <laughs> like, okay, I'll read up. Goddamn, leave fine, me alone. Fine, I'll do it. Whatever. Um, I also thought it was interesting that ga- this game had gambling. Yeah, like you were like, hey, pick one of these things. Sometimes you might win a hundred. Sometimes you might lose ten or fifty, or who knows what it is. Yeah, I, I, I it was do you like do much of the gambling. Did you did no. you do a lot of that? I never did. I, I think at one point I did, and I was like, this is not going well. Yeah, like I didn't know what the odds were because, like, whatever. I was always kind of like running some kind of side hustle and understood odds and yeah, probabilities. Of course, but I was like, I still don't know what the odds are. Or if it's a set thing or how it works. I'm sure I could look. Like somebody, some speedrunner has looked and gone and broken this thing down frame by frame by code and gone, okay, yeah. if you're on this frame, it'll come up. This is the one you want to go on of or whatever. Course. And whatever. Yeah. But no, I, I did it once and I was like, I'm broke. Yeah, this is not worth my time because or, it takes me a while to collect this. Or what I would do is kind of the, like the classic like hit and run where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in and try it. I want 100, see ya. Yeah, like I'm never. Course. I'm not gonna go back. Like, I want hundred. I can win hundred next time too. Of course. No, 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 no. That's good strategy. No. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good term, long term, effective strategy you if you ever chase win. Chase that dragon. Do not do not ride the snake. Um. All right. So, but yeah, it, it, the gameplay itself. You have the overworld. You have the underworld. Mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting is you like 
one of the things I always thought was really cool was you got a map, right? And the map yes. wasn't even complete. Like no. you got this map that folded out, and with the game you got the instruction book, and but you got this map, and I was like, this this is huge. It is. Like I just yeah. remember my. And we'll get into like my personal experience. I just remember being like almost in awe of it. Like yeah. there's so much to this game. Like looking back. Was there? Yeah, yes, there was comparatively. Comparatively, so, um, it was enormous. But yeah. like, what I found out is, your your overworld is like a sixteen by eight grid, right? So it's mm-hmm. eight eight columns high, sixteen columns uh, wide, which I think equates to one hundred and twenty eight different cells. So okay. there's literally one hundred and twenty eight different, you know, areas Screens. on the overworld map. Yeah, yeah. But then the underworld, the dungeon, there's more. Right. There's there there were I I because I'm a nerd. I did the map. There's two hundred and thirty six cells if you will or different screens sure. in those nine dungeons the smallest being level one yep. which makes sense 17 right it's like the little uh genie lamp is what it looks right, like i think right and then the dragon i believe level seven they all have names right yeah right uh, it's the biggest that's not ganon's number yeah, nine, right? not and nine, that one's 33 yeah. so it's almost twice as big right ganon's is 57 57 different rooms in a dungeon, in a game, in 1987, where you had no maps. No. Like, I still look at this. That's, that is, oh, what is that? That's almost 300 and, that's over 360 different cells in this game. Different rooms, different whatever. How the hell, at like 13 and 14 years of age, did I do this? I'm very I don't curious remember. about that myself. Yeah, for my, for my own. I, I will say, the map helped, right? And then what I would do, I remember vividly doing this, is... The map had blank areas, and I would fill in what those areas were. Oh, yeah. So I would write of them. Like, oh, okay. We this did is, that. We, yeah, this is the graveyard. The or, of our maps. Yeah, this yeah. is the up, up, left, left, whatever. You know, I forget the pattern off the top of my head right away, mm-hmm. but it's up, 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 or whatever it is. I don't remember. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, I just remember being like, God, this is vast, you know? It was. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, man, how, just part of me goes, how did we ever do this? There were you know, Nintendo Power. There were hint books. I remember having the official NES strategy guide. Those kinds of things were were helpful, but still, I'm like, and a good example is, like, uh, my fiance's son is 17. Okay, his name is Harrison, and Harrison and I were downstairs. I was playing this game at one point because it's what I do. I play old games because I'm a nerd, and he's like, "How did you know to bomb there? Huh. How would you know to do that?" Right, and I'm like, "Because I just know." Now it's well, literal how did you... muscle memory at yeah. this point. Yeah, exactly. I said it's so far ingrained into my brain at this point that that is yeah. where you bomb, or that is where you you know burn, or whatever it is you light of your course. candle. But he raised a great point. He did the same thing with Metroid. Sure, we talked about Metroid, and he's like, "Oh my god!" He goes, "Talk about esoteric! Like, how did you know that you had to like bomb the ground to go down to get down to this point? But there's two of them, and one if you go down, you're screwed. The other one you go down, it's where the ice beam is. How'd you know that?" And I'm like. Countless hours of trying yeah, 25 it, years, 30 years ago. <laughs> some books, some effort, some memory. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's a great, it was a great question. It I is, really, yeah. you, you lose perspective of how, like, I use the word esoteric, how esoteric a lot of this stuff was, how non intuitive it was, right? Sure. The gameplay itself is like, oh, you need to get to take this whistle and go to the place where there's no fairy and play it, and then you'll be able, the, the water will magically dry up, right? And then you'll be able to walk downstairs in the dungeon. What? How would right. I know to do that? Right. You know, and I do think it's cool that like the game made you like the very first thing you do is you're standing there 
and there's that there's that you know that first screen, and there's no other screen that looks like it. The yep. way it's designed and everything. There are no enemies. There's no nothing, yep. and there's that that black area. I don't yep. know if that. How do I know it's a door? I don't know. Am I yep. supposed to go in it? You you have to figure it out. It was literally like an adventure. You walk up there. There's an old guy there. Yep. Like normally, I crawl into a cave with an old guy there with a sword. It's not good news for anybody, <laughs> you know. But in this case, I'm like. The sword's just sitting there. Maybe I'll uh, I'll scoop that bad boy up. But he right. says, "Hey, take this," yeah. and you're like, "Okay, old man." And then he disappears. What is that? Well, Can we talk about? <laughs> I, I hate to get on a tangent now, but I'm seriously like, "Where'd you go?" He, uh, you know, is he he's, gone? He's he a ma- he's a magical figure. Uh, mm. They they appear a few times through the game. Actually, every time you buy something. <laughs> if you don't. Uh, <laughs> But Apparently, if, anyone running a shop uh, is uh, some sort of uh, magician who just appears well, that leads with their me wares. To, that leads me to a very important question. Mm-hmm. If you have all this magic, why can't you use it to save this princess? <laughs> or at least help. Listen, would you come with me? You're an old Merlin, okay? It's yeah. obvious that you have some sort of magic power, mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing. You disappeared as soon as I grabbed the sword. Right. Use that power for the good of the land, man. Zelda's in trouble. Yeah. Anyway. Don't don't just give me the sword. Yeah. You can like, come with me. <laughs> Listen, I need more than it's dangerous. Take yeah. this. Yeah. Good it's, luck. Here's yeah. a, here's a plank of sharpened yeah. wood. Good, good luck, fucker. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. Enough about all that. We'll get to more of that later. All right. So music and sound effects. We talked about Koji Kondo. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. The thing I remember the most, and I'll get into this more again later. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. The it's the the way the music sounds. It is not just the song. It is not just the dun 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 dun. dun. Like the composition of it is great, but I had never heard a Nintendo or a video game ever that sounded like that. Like that music was like right. it has this um tangible feel that makes me go, I need to play that. Of like, course. Even yeah. today, I turned it on. I'm sitting here in my office, right? And I turned it on, and I was like. It was on the like, it was on. I had left the room. I came yep. back and it was playing, and I was like, "What is that? I have to do this." Of course, it was. I was just compelled. Yeah. Like it was. It was. It's this amazing texture of sound. I don't know. It's it is like this. It's this cool sound. I just. I love it. So. Yep. And I. I do think that the the other part of this, the sound effects, kind of work hand in hand with that. The sound every time Link throws his sword. I was just going to say the same time, thing. You know, when Link he has the ability to throw the sword, it's that, really incredible. Which, it's it's it has um some density. It has some emphasis. It's not. It, does, it doesn't yeah. sound hollow. It, it sounds like holy shit. It sounds great. I and just stabbed this dude. What's really impressive is what it sounds like in comparison to things that would come out years later. Yes. Uh, you know it, the complexity that the time the effort that is put into the uh, the sound on this game I mean I think it's every bit as important as the story it's everybody as important as the uh, the graphics it's I guess it's incredible there, there's like was it four or five different like songs that play right you have sure. the overworld yeah. you have the theme song yep. you have the dungeon music yep. you have the other dungeon music whatever it's all awesome it's all, it's all yeah. it's all really fantastic it's, it's all incredible and I think the part that you know people have this is a pretty well-known fact, but originally Koji Kondo was going to use uh, Maurice Ravel's Bolero. Bolero, yeah. And then he found out he couldn't. Sure. Because even in 1986, <laughs> copyrights were screwing everybody. Like there was, The license on the copyright hadn't expired, so in less than one day, he wrote that song. And here I am, incredible. Like, today, turning it on and going, it's like listening to the Beatles. Yeah. It's the only thing I can equate it to where you're like, 
it just sounds a Run DMC. When you sure. put it on, it doesn't date them. Like when right. you listen to Run DMC, it does not sound like something from 1985. Sometimes it does, but the good stuff, it doesn't. The good stuff is timeless. Same, same thing with yeah. the Beatles. You put it on, and you're like, it just sounds good. Yeah. I don't know when it was from. I don't know, you know, any of that crap. It just sounds like uh, timeless. I would agree. Yeah, and it, it is, you know, one of those In things. One day. One day. And then again, Paul McCartney wrote yesterday, falling out of bed. <laughs> So you're like, it's, whatever. It's funny, too, because, you know, he wanted to use Bolero, and I don't think it's any stretch to say this music, this music is a lot more famous than Bolero would ever be. <laughs> and, you know, this it was, is to me. Well, I it's think it is. It's real to me, damn it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is, uh, you know, this is iconic as much as any video game music ever. It, it's got to be along with, like, if you look at what Koji Kondo has done, mm-hmm. like, as a composer, it's yeah. absurd. Yeah. Like, if you're a video game fan, especially from that era, and you go and look at all the things that he touched, yep. it's like, holy shit, man. Oh, it was incredible. He was literally yeah. like the Paul McCartney or John Lennon of this whole era, where he, yeah. like, he was just prolific. Like, oh, we need to write uh, some overworld music. We need to write some music for Super Mario Bros. Oh, I don't know. Let me just write the greatest, you know, song ever written in any video game. You know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of stuff. Could you imagine being that good at your job? Like, that good at anything? Absolutely not. I can't. I feel like I'm pretty good at stuff. Yeah. I'm good at a couple of things, but I, 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 no, not, absolutely not. I'll tell you what. I used to think I was good at video games. Yeah. And then I watch these people play online, like, okay, so you have one sixteenth of a frame to be able to make this jump, and then you do this thing, and it's like, how do you know this? I'm only good in comparison to my friends, not necessarily every person in the world. I'm good in a bubble. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. The moral of the story is Koji Kondo, I'm sure he's like, Japanese culture is just different than ours. Sure. So, like, in Japanese culture, like, people who are, like, jingle writers are, like... Royalty? Yeah. They're, yeah. like, uh, the Metallica of, <laughs> of, 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 like... You know what I mean? Like, people would lose their mind because this guy who wrote this jingle would be there. Mm-hmm. That's Koji Kondo. It's amazing. Like, that guy yeah. should be... That guy should be surrounded by, like, naked women all day. If that's what he's into. I don't know what he's into. He may be. He might be. Who knows? I don't know his life. I don't know how Japanese culture goes. I, I don't know how it is at Nintendo <laughs> at the headquarters. All I know is what they show me. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the reception okay. that the game received. No this one w- liked it. <laughs> yeah. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Bad <laughs> game. Yeah. <laughs> Would not recommend. Would not recommend. <laughs> one out of ten. Yep. Yeah, so uh, got any uh, got any nuggets on this one? <laughs> well, uh, is there any information about it on the internet? Could you find anything? Yeah, yeah, you can find quite a bit about it. Um, obviously, this would not be such a uh, popular franchise if it had not done well. Um, it was the first NES game to sell over a million copies, which is a big, big deal, uh, especially when you think of a U.S. retail price of sixty dollars a copy. It's you know it's funny you say that because that's what I think nowadays when they talk about these like AAA games and blah 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 sure. and like The Last of Us Part Two or whatever these huge games that are coming out mm-hmm. and dude the the gaming industry is the biggest entertainment industry in the world it is it's absurd yep like the amount of money that these people invest and then in turn reap from games yep you sold how many millions of copies of a game at very likely an average price of forty to sixty dollars yep it hurts my head. Yep. I'm like, how do I get in on this? Yep. I could write a story. Some yep. idiot would buy it. <laughs> and it's crazy now because <laughs> the, um, you know, a, a lot of the new, like the new games, there is no physical product even being sold. Yeah, it's stupid. 
Um, you know, and and even if there is one, all it is, it's quite <laughs> minuscule. I bought Doom Eternal okay. for my PC, and you know what was inside of the, the CD? Like it was like a DVD. A case. download code. A download code <laughs> shaped like a CD. <laughs> cool. It was literally a paper disc. Yeah. It, I'm like, how much more could it have really cost? Yeah. To actually put the game. At this point, we're talking about the difference of cents. Yeah. It's not much. No, it's but not. But I laugh so hard because I'm like, well, I'm going to get the physical copy. Right. Psych. And what I found out is, not, not to go off tangent, but as a collector of these kinds of things, the reason I gravitate towards things that are older, mostly because of my age and era and generation, but also because of the fact that, I'll give you a good example. Bioshock. If you were to go buy an original copy of Bioshock on a physical medium that was released 14 years ago or whenever Bioshock came out, it doesn't work anymore. Huh. You put the disc in, it will install, but then it attempts to register or validate its installation on a server that no longer exists. Ah. And that's what's happening with physical media. You buy a disc and all it is is a key to yeah. go download 100 gigs of data right. or whatever it is. That stuff's all going to disappear. That's I mean, a huge bummer. Like yeah. the, whole, the whole idea, this whole generation of gaming, when it's over, it's over. There right. is no going back. Like World of Warcraft sold all the original servers that they put all that on. And then they said, you know what? We're going to bring back World of Warcraft Classic. But that's one of the biggest games of all time. Right. Getting that for something that like, I don't know, Mega Man 4... Sure. I mean, you're going to be able to play it if you want to play it. Like, if you wanted to get the ROM, there's emulators. Yeah, there's ways to do it. Emulator. But, yeah. you, but there's no, like, you don't get anything anymore. You're buying bits and bytes. It's It sucks. Right. I'm, all right, tangent over. So reception. Sold a million games. whoop de doo That's nothing nowadays. Yeah. yeah, but at the time, pretty big deal. But it sold more than a million. Yeah, it sure did. It, it sure did. Yeah. Uh, number five best selling overall. It is the number time. five most sold NES game ever at 6.5 million copies pretty good i'm going to quiz you okay i want you to guess what the top four best-selling nes games of all time are super mario 3 hold on slow down okay i gotta pull the list up man i'm not <laughs> i don't know off the top of my head i'm not that big of a nerd <laughs> yeah you might be i don't know okay you're right should i should i look it up too before i answer you <laughs> <laughs> please don't okay well, whatever i mean all right fine no <laughs> figured i'd ask all right, here we go. Yes, number five, Legend of Zelda. Yep. Go ahead. Got that. Super Mario Brothers 3? Number three. Okay. Super Mario Brothers? Number one. Okay. And I'm assuming this includes Pack-Ins because not that many people bought that game. Right, right, it right. It came right. with it. Yeah. So Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario Brothers, that's number one, number three. You have number two, number four to go. <sighs> let me think, let me think. Um, I will also say at number three... Super Mario Brothers 3 sold 18 million copies. That's unbelievable. And that at number one, Super Mario Brothers sold 40 million copies. Is that good? Compared to today's standards? Yes. <laughs> I think, listen, if you can sell 40 million of anything, I think it's good. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Well, it's got to be good. But yeah, no, yes, that's, that's absolutely incredible. All right, so number two, number four, what do you got? Uh... Just because of the franchise, did Super Mario Brothers 2 make the list? Number four? It did. It's number four. Okay. And number two. Is it Link? No. Okay. I'm going to give you three more guesses because you won't get it. Okay. This is, which is astounding. Is it Gyromite? <laughs> you son of a bitch. Are you reading my notes? Is that it? No. <laughs> it is not Gyromite. Is it's, it Balloon Fight? It's a, 
You are hearkening back. That's called a callback, everybody. Yeah. No one is not balloon fight, and I won't even count that as a guess. Um, but I will say that uh, it's also not Stack Up, the other Rob the Robot game. <laughs> yeah. The much yeah. more obscure. One of two. Yes, the um, other. So you've got two guesses left. Two guesses left. And I'll give you balloon fight. That's a freebie. Okay. That one's on me, yeah. Uncle Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh, let's see. Ninja Gaiden? No. Okay. Now you want me to look that one up. Not going to look that up. Okay. Hold on. But that's not it. It's not Ninja Gaiden. Let's see where Ninja Gaiden lands. Uh, let's say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Also, no. Okay. The number two best-selling game of all time. Keep in mind, it includes Pac-Ins. It's Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt. Yeah. yeah as course. soon as I said Pac-Ins, you yeah. got it. Yeah. Well, that's originally my, my stupid thought that I had with Gyromite because that was originally a Pac-In. But yeah, of course, the uh, Mario Brothers Duck Hunt combo was the, yeah, was what everybody got with their NES. Yes. I also think it's funny that your two guesses were both ninja related. <laughs> ninja Gaiden and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Where are they on the list? Well, I don't I don't see Ninja Gaiden, which kind of shocks me, but Ninja Turtles was number 11. Okay, yeah. And I'm kind of shocked that Ninja Gaiden didn't make the top 75, like... Yeah. Tiger Heli and NES Tournament Golf sold better than Ninja Gaiden, really? <laughs> Any, I think NES Tournament Golf was a pack-in with certain NES systems, though, wasn't Ooh, it? Oh, I hope not. I think it was. That's rough. One. I think that was a uh, that was one version of the system that was offered. Ninja Hatori Kun, Little Ninja Hatori, is a 1986 game developed by Hudson Soft. That's on the list, but not Ninja Gaiden. There's got to be something wrong with this list. Yeah, there's no way that this is this list is accurate. Now I question okay. the whole list. Okay, well. Ice Climbers on here. Ice That? No way. <laughs> but no Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. All right, I mean, that's a tangent. Now i got to look it up later. Oh, we'll get to it. We'll if, t- anybody yeah. knows the, if anybody knows the story behind that... Let us know. Yeah, since nobody knows we exist. Yeah. But eventually... Eventually. If, if you hear this, this in the future... Yeah. Don't after, hesitate to reach out and tell after us. After the COVID apocalypse, yeah. let us know. Don't <laughs> assume that somebody's already told us. That's yeah. the best thing I can tell you. Because my guess is they haven't because they're jerks. Right. All right. It's true. Okay, so yeah, fifth best, Duck Hunt. I don't count. like so The Super Mario Brothers games get a pass, because I think they would sell. They're great. Duck They're Hunt, great games. I can't count yeah. that. E- even 2, which is not really a Super Mario Brothers game. It's a, it's a skin over top of another game. It's still it's still kind of a great game. Which, that skin, that game? Yeah. Guess who did the music for that? Uh, Koji? Correct. <laughs> Before it was Super Mario Bros. 2 even. Yeah. That, that son of a bitch. Doesn't surprise me even a little bit. I will also say that Legend of Zelda is the second best non-pack-in game selling from a selling perspective. Doesn't after surprise me. Super Mario Bros. 2. Yeah. Because 3 was a pack-in and 1 was a pack-in, but 2 yeah, never was. of course. Yeah, that doesn't really surprise me. I yeah. mean, th- this was a, a insanely popular game, you know, for, for what it was, especially. We So we talked a little bit about the commercials, right, and that sure. whole thing. The one thing I did not mention is, in that John Kassir commercial, they end it with a never-ending adventure. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that's not accurate. <laughs> that's not true. There's, yeah. a, there's a finite end to this game. Like, yeah. you defeat Ganon. But yeah. then I thought... Maybe there isn't because he comes back and he never dies. Right. Like, he's in Breath of the Wild. Right. The whole point of the game of Breath of the Wild is to kill Ganon. Nobody does it. Right. They all run around cooking stuff and killing <laughs> stuff and making weapons. I hate that. But the idea is... But the idea is Ganon is still around, so maybe it is a never-ending event. I don't know. Sure. And then in the, in, the, in the rap commercial, which is awful, also awful, and I will not recommend anybody ever watching it. Okay, don't watch it. 
which means all you dickheads will run out and do it. But I will warn Sounds you. Sounds like you're tempting the fates here. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, I will say, they also say, your parents can hook it up when they're talking about the Nintendo Entertainment System. Like, oh. the end of the commercial goes like this. It's a horrible rap. Then at the end, the guy says, on the Nintendo Entertainment System, your parents can hook it up. And then he ends by saying, the Legend of Zelda is sold separately. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. Oh, no shit? It didn't come yeah. with it? Yeah. Yeah, it was a different time. <laughs> Very different yeah, okay. in this case. All right, so let's talk about... We've talked a little bit about personal experience, but I do want to get into that. And then the game's legacy. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about how it's been perceived over the years, how it was perceived then, and what we think of it now. And sure. generally, the questions I like to start with here are, was it good and is it good? And I have a single one-word answer here. And I think my answer is probably the same as yours. What did you have? Yes. Yes, it's very good. I agree. Very good. It People was good you- when I was a kid, and it's really good now. Um My first experience with this game as a child was watching my dad play it, um, which was pretty incredible. My first experience was watching your dad play it, too. That is weird. (laughs) That is really weird. (laughs) But I was outside. Yeah. You didn't know I was there. Yeah. Well, uh, we, yeah, that's, uh, that's entirely possible. Um, So, so I did, you know, watch my dad kind of play through this game. Um, I was probably five or six years old, you know, at the time. But I would say I probably played through this game for the first time shortly thereafter. I was probably six or seven years old the first time I played through it. And, you know, both of our personal experience, we've kind of talked about this outside of the podcast, is... I I don't talk to you outside of the podcast. (laughs) You've never spoken to me once. Just the one time. (laughs) Uh, And it was about this, you know, that I think we could both uh, complete the first quest of this game almost with our eyes closed i mean we, we which is this... a terrifying idea like in yeah. my head it's like wow it's it's not true but like there's lots of people who beat games blindfold i'm like yeah i could probably manage I, my I way could, through i think i could get at least one heart container oh yeah you know what i mean i could get the sword yeah oh i could definitely get the sword <laughs> yeah i could definitely get the sword and i i think it's uh it's one of those things that like uh you know it's so deeply ingrained at this point uh that it's hard to separate you know my my own sort of personal nostalgia for it from it being a good game until you try to play other nes games of the same time yeah and it really still does just stand sort of uh you know head and shoulders above uh any other nes game coming out in 1987 i i will say that my personal experience with this game was I, I I mentioned I moved in like 1987, right? Yeah. And uh, just before I moved, I made I made a friend in the area just before I moved, and he had he was the first person I knew that had a Nintendo, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't even know what it was. Like I was like I don't know. Like it's a video it's video games. I know I like it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was going to ruin my whole life, but you know here we are. But here we are. You know? yeah. <laughs> like it's it whatever. But uh. It, it was fascinating to me because before that, video games to me were kaboom. Video games to yeah. me were Space Invaders. And I remember vividly like playing those games in an arcade. I remember playing... There was, a, there was an arcade on my way home from school. I was too young to be working, walking home by myself from school. But we did it. As were we all. Yeah. yeah. And, and I would stop and I would lose 25 cents in five seconds. And just like it was, it was fascinating to me that I could do this stuff. These games, like... I, I, I remember vividly he had... My friend had this game, and he had Super Mario Brothers, and I was like, "There is a lot more going on." Like, I thought Pitfall was awesome, and like I said, Pitfall Two is one of my favorite games, like yeah. from that era. But I would thought those games were great. I'm like, "This is so cool!" I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Pitfall Harry on this net. In this game, I'm like, 
there's like a, a reason to do this stuff. In Pitfall, there's no reason. Right. Pitfall 2, there is, but still it's eh. But but in this game, there was a like I'm trying to rescue the princess, man. I got a job. Yeah. There was, a, there was a long-term but objective. Zelda like was this this uh transcendent thing for me where it, it changed from just being this linear thing where I'm like, okay, I'm on the left and I need to go to the right. I'm just going to keep going right till I get to the thing I need. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whether it's the end of a level or, the, you know, a fake princess or whatever it is. Yep. You know. It, it changed it from being, um, you know. Linear? To immersive. It, it, was, it was an entirely immersive experience playing this game. And I think that's the first time I ever felt that. If you look at modern gaming... <laughs> how much do they owe to this game? Yeah. You know, because I think it changed the entire concept of what a video game could be. I completely agree with that. I think that you could go wherever you wanted and you could try and blow up whatever you wanted and you could find secrets and that that when you found that secret and that noise would play, I just was like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm a genius. Like, how did I figure this out? Of course. Thanks to this book and this strategy guide, but whatever. Yeah. But but no, it, it was. It was this thing where... You no longer had to adhere to like, okay, I have this amount of time from go to here to here. Mm-hmm. Like even Mario, which is a great game and everybody loves. Fantastic game. But you yeah. have an t- amount of time. You are on the left side of the screen and your point is to get to the right hand side of the screen. It's very much an arcade game, you know. Yep, uh, on steroids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a quarter eater, but, you know. Um, but and it's, and it's a great game. But it's, but it's this different. was this was just a different thing where I was like, this isn't like an, like you said an immersive experience where I was like. I have to like literally go on an adventure. I have to figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. Like, how does this? How yeah. am I gonna get across? Like, how am I? Like, I saw the little landing, like the boat landing or whatever. You know, you have to take right. the raft over. Of course. How am I gonna get there? Where's the right. raft? How do I find the raft? Right. You know, or you could see the heart container in that one. You, know, you got the two bridges. How do sure. I get to that thing? I can't use my boomerang. That's not working. Right. So, it yeah. Was, and you would see those things from the beginning of the game, yep. and you just had to figure out how to get there the first time you did. Yeah. It. I just I just remember those two games and being like, wow, I yeah. need this. Like yep. I don't know what this is, but I need it. <clears throat> yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that the the short answer is yes, and the long answer is yes. Is yeah, very, is good. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's as good now as it ever was, and it, it also the, like I said, the lasting impact of it, you know, is is just gigantic. So you know, cannot be understated or overstated. Overstated. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Over. You could understate it quite a bit. You could be. You wrong. could say pretty good. Seven out of ten. <laughs> yeah, seven out of ten. As Jeff Gertzman from GameStop once said. <laughs> yes, yeah. Game, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. But after so, we talk about some, yeah, maybe a little bit more legitimate rankings here. Well, I mean, whatever. They're, they're, they're all... I don't know how official all these rankings yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> World's greatest. Yeah. It's better than number one. Better than number one. Okay, so what I did is I'm a, I'm a nerd collector, Okay. I, I've always been a video game collector, even in the mid-90s, and sadly, the sad story that anybody has is that I sold off all my video games, and I sadly remember what I most of everything that I had and whatever, but um, one of the things I do also collect is, like, Nintendo Powers. Like, I love Nintendo Power, Game Pro Magazine. Yeah. Those were, like, my Bibles. Those Absolutely. were the things that I learned everything I needed yeah. to know from. We were dirt poor, and we still had Nintendo Powers yeah. coming in every month yeah. for some yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. Some stupid asshole in, like, Washington was like, send it to Jerry. I feel bad. Yep, probably. We, first of all, he's got this weird guy sitting outside watching his dad play <laughs> video games. Okay? Yeah. It's weird. Mm-hmm. you got to feel bad for Jerry. Yeah. But, okay, so my point here is is that I have compiled a list of kind of how this game has been perceived over the years, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll start with this. So Nintendo Power's 100th issue, they did, like, the 100 best games of all time. Now, I have to assume 
that they were all Nintendo games. I don't think Sonic made the list. I don't I think uh, any PlayStation, you know, If exclusives. you've ever read Nintendo Power, it was a bit Nintendo-centric. It, had, it was slanted. Slightly. Looking back, it was kind of a propaganda <laughs> Maybe <not> rag. The, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not the most legitimate news source. Buy Nintendo. If you wear Nintendo stuff, you're cool. Yeah. Are these yeah. guys from the magazine. Here's how to this, call Nintendo. This bow tie guy will think I'm cool. <laughs> like, okay. Thanks, Howard. Yeah. But yeah, so in that 100th issue, the best 100 games of all time. That was number 11. Yeah. I don't think that's an un... And this was 1997. So this was like... This yeah. is now 23 years ago. Yep. Even then... We're talking 10 years after its release, it was perceived as basically one of the 10 best games. 11, you know, it goes one higher, yeah. whatever. Which I think is maybe even better. You know, like some most lists, they max out at 10. This, <laughs> this one goes at 11. 11. Yeah, this, right. this list goes to 11 or 100. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nintendo Power did a 20th anniversary issue, and this was August 2008. And they said, the, one of the things they did, and I, again, I have this, I'm a nerd, I have this issue. They had the 20 best Game Boy games, the 20 best NES games, the 20 best SNES games, or SNES if, if you're in Europe. I don't want to confuse you guys over there. It's NES and SNES. Number one. The number one best NES game of all time. Now, to be fair, this is a Nintendo magazine rating Nintendo products. Sure. And third-party developers. Yep. But they picked the first-party title. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's fair. I don't really either. Yeah, and I, I mean... I would be open to any argument of that, sure, yeah. but uh, I think it's an absolutely legitimate choice. Yeah. Game Informer. Did you ever get Game Informer, Jerry? I've I had issues of Game Informer. Uh, we definitely never had a subscription. So I worked at Funko Land yes, in the mid '90s. I've heard that, and it was not for very long, mm-hmm. but it was long enough. Did you ever meet the guy that had the rope for a belt that I met at Funko Land? <laughs> <laughs> worked there. In the He's ragging on your cord, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I did not meet Rope Belt Guy. I'm yeah. sorry. That's too bad. Yeah. I he, bet he's he's out magging it all over the place. He was right something now. else. Yeah. yeah. He still is, I'll bet. Yeah. Any guy with a rope for a belt in public, mm-hmm. I'd stay yeah. away from him. He, he, uh, Volatile. Informed, he informed us, uh, <laughs> this was uh, probably early 2000s. This was shortly after Barry Sanders retired. And he informed us that the Lions were, and I quote, Better off without Captain Unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> yep. Just like the Nintendo Entertainment System was better off without Mario and Link. <laughs> yeah. Get those volatile people out of here. That's They're right. always doing crazy things. That's true. All right, anyway. So Game Informer did two lists. They did a top 100 in 2001, and they did a top 200 in 2009. And in both lists, this, this game came out number one. Again, fair. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fair. Yep. Then, IGN did a top 100 video games of all time list in 2018. That's just a couple years ago, Jerry. That is true. That is true. Uh, And Zelda at that point was ranked number 35. It was the third highest rated NES title behind Super Mario Bros. and Super Mario Bros. 3. This this is what I'm going to say about that. I still don't have a problem with that. Not at all. I think my biggest problem with it would be this. I like Super Mario Brothers. It is a good game, ostensibly. But Super Mario Brothers 3 is the far superior game. If you were to pick one it game is. on the NES that people would say is the best game, it, it's probably either Zelda or Super Mario Brothers 3. I would agree with Ranking that. it behind Super Mario Brothers, you're only doing that if you ask me based on legacy, sure. not on the actual game itself. Yeah. Because the Zelda, while they are different games, I think Zelda is a better game than the first Super Mario Brothers. Both are historical, both are great, yep. but that's my opinion. I also have to say, I am not a particularly skilled gamer, 
I am not. Yeah, I know. If I could beat Super Mario Brothers in like 30 to 35 minutes, which I can, eh, you know. Have you seen this? We'll talk about speedrunning a little bit because part of our segments here are sure, going to be about sure. collecting we'll and speedrunning. But I'm, man, I'm have you seen a, how. I'm not a speedrunner. Have you I'm seen how quickly people beat that game nowadays? I would guess. Five. I would five, guess, yeah. yeah. Five to six say, minutes. I was going to say under ten minutes. Yeah, it's absurd. And that wouldn't surprise me. And the things that they do and that they figured out with this stuff, it hurts my head. Yeah. Anyway, it's not here or there. Okay. This one bothered me a little bit. IGN did a top 100 video games of all time a year later. They revised the list. And where do you think that Zelda landed on that list? They were 35 on the last list. And in this list, where do you think they landed in the top 100? Well, if I didn't have notes in front of me... <laughs> yeah, you looked. I would say they would rank right about the same position because this is a list by the same publication coming out just a year later and you know strangely enough that nes title from 1987 hasn't really changed much in that time would i be completely wrong yes the answer is yes not ranked not ranked in the top 100 and their justification for that is as i put in the notes quote we didn't want this list to be inundated with Zeldas and Marios, so we cut what we felt wasn't the peak of those series in order to make room for different games. Okay, I have a serious problem with that. Because your list is called the top 100 video games of all time. It is not the top 100 franchises or the top 100 best of franchises. Right. That's part of my problem. My other problem is they have three other Zelda games in the list. Right. Ocarina of Time 25, Breath of the Wild 5, and Link to the Past 2. I got news for you, dickheads. Okay? <laughs> None of those games would exist if it wasn't for one of the greatest video games of all time. That's right. And, that, and that's just to mention the Zelda games on the list. There are a lot of other games on that list, I am sure, that also wouldn't exist without right. this game. But I just go, I'm like, how? Like, yeah. How do you do that? And, and you know. That's not a, that's not a list anymore. No, that's not. You're no longer rating the best. You're you're. It's like this weird hybrid mashup where you're making the rules where you go as you go along. So screw that list. That one doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Now, now time. Now on to something that really counts. Time magazine. Time magazine. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, have you seen Time magazine's covers recently? <laughs> They've been pretty good. I've really enjoyed them. Have they? Uh, I don't want to get into the politics of okay. the world, but I, I don't know. Go look at um, the timeline of what the recent Time magazine. I'll check um, it out. Yeah, it's, it's worth it's worth your worth your 50 you know 45 seconds of your life yeah i'll do that time magazine did a list of the top 50 games of all time video games sure number seven the highest ranking nintendo nes game on the list again very fair you put this anywhere in the top 10 of any list and i'm gonna listen or even 11 yeah and even at 35 i was cool very but not ranked yeah, man, I, I don't understand that. They must have gone. That must have been like under new management. Like IGN yeah. might have been under new management or something. It was. It was an edgy, edgy. Pick. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even a pick. They said, "Hey, we can't put a bunch of Zeldas on here." Yes, you can. You're rating the best <laughs> of a thing. You can't leave something up because there are other good things that are similar. Well, That's you, the point of the list. You also can't say uh, we're not putting a bunch of Zeldas on the list or and Mario's, then, and then proceed to put a bunch of Zeldas <laughs> on the list. You put a bunch on there, but leave this oh. one off. Anyway, yeah. in 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 summary, fuck off yep. with that list. Now, what about Newsweek? How did they rate it? <laughs> you know what? I haven't gotten the latest issue. Yeah. But I'll bet you it's in the top ten. <laughs> Us Weekly? Is there a ranking of the... You know what? Maybe you and I need to make our own ranking. <laughs> we should make our own top 100 video games. Okay. If you're making your own list of top 100 video games, where would this game land? 
I'm not done with the rest of our, our ratings. No, here, not at all. I, I, I would like to know that. If you, I, like, I seriously, would, I, I, in the this, pantheon this of Jerry would, Gaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this would take some further thought, but there is no way it would place outside of the top five. Um, I would say that definitely. And if I'm thinking really hard, I think, I think, it, would, I think it would be in the top three, along with Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and... Gosh. Warlords? Not Warlords. Not Balloon Fight, but Balloon Fight. Balloon Fight is it. No, I, I would I would I would say this is definitely my top three of all time. I mean I, I would I would take a little bit more time, but what what about you? It's number one. Yeah. It is sure. my it is my favorite video game of sure. all time. Sure. And because it sucks. Bro, I'm, I have terrible taste. I'm hanging out with you. <laughs> yeah. What do you want from me? I picked you to hang out. Like, come That's on. That's a good point. Yeah. Jeez, like nobody, nobody has any respect for my opinion as it is. I no, I would that. say if I sat down and really thought about it, and I have. Yeah. Like I, and I, because again, I, yeah. what do I have to do with my time? It's my favorite video game of all time. Yeah. And it, it's why I think it, it's it, why it is, we chose to start with it. It is. It's, it's. Uh, this is a seminal game for both of us and for gaming in general. Yep. It's it's crazy because it is one of those like touchstone games, you know. Well, you can talk about this with so many things of like, oh, this is like a really important movie, or this is a really important record, or whatever. But this game is still so much damn fun to play. Yes, which is, is you the just crazy played part. it this week. I played it this week. Yeah, I was like, you know what? So did I. I, I want to. Yeah, I was like, I just I want to do this. Uh, we're we're gonna record this podcast. I, <laughs> I don't really need the refresher. I'm pretty pretty aware of uh, where um, everything is in the game. Amazingly, yeah, I was the same way. Like I said, I sat but, down and I played the game, and I'm know, like, oh yeah, but I'm here. Oh yeah, you gotta burn it's this instinctive. bush. Yeah, I know that point. stuff. But yeah, it's it's a it's a top three game of all time. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Polygon did their best 500 games of all time, 2017. It was number three. Again, hey. I'm worse for me, man. More uncomfortable yep. with that. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was, I say it in, in here, it says it was the second highest NES game of all time, Te- being that number, Super Mario Brothers 3 was number two in this list, sure. and then Tetris was number one. Okay. It's hard to argue with that. I, I don't know if it's just me. I view Tetris as a Nintendo game. I know it's more of a Game Boy game because it was a pack in and all that stuff. Yeah. But when I think of Tetris, I always I think of the Tengen of... version of Tetris, weirdly oh, enough. That's the expensive one. That's the one, one we now. had, yeah. That's the, if you still had it, I'll take it. Yeah, I believe you. I don't have that one. Oh, really? I did have it and I sold it, but now I kind of regret it. Yeah. That's just like I do with everything I sell. Um, it's fine. But anyway, so but when I think of it, I'm like, well, Tetris is also an NES game. Sure. But then, like, the I'm sure you're, you know, like, whatever. I'm not sitting here plugging anybody but the gaming historian did a fantastic like documentary if you will about the story of tetris and like how it got licensed developed and all that stuff and it's really interesting stuff but when i think of it i always think of it as an nes game because when people have competitions that's that's on the nes version now i want to talk about jeff kurtzman your best friend you know i don't know jeff kurtzman and i'm not here to bury him but i'm gonna say any guy that gives the legend of zelda seven out of (laughs) ten on on GameSpot. Four years ago, mm-hmm. I think it was 2016. It might have been a different year. I don't know. I, right. My notes aren't perfect. W- would you say that his review was uh, indicative of a 7 out of 10 I review? I thought his review was more complimentary than what the number was. Sure. So I'm not sure what influenced the numbers. There was no grading system. There was no average. Yeah. But I'm like, really? Because sure. like, like, if you go Google The Legend of Zelda NES, 
Some of the, like, oh, I'll take that back. It's actually in the Wikipedia. If you go to Wikipedia, under the reception area or whatever it is, it says, oh, you know, five stars here. And then GameSpot, 7.2 out of 10. I'm like, what? That's crazy. I better click on this. And I clicked on it and it took me right to the GameSpot article. It didn't really tell me about the article itself. Right. I had to go Google it. <laughs> so I found it. And then I was like, you son of a bitch. From what we know of Jeff Gertzman's corporate uh, overlords, it may be that uh, this ranking was adjusted by someone else. We don't. We it don't. It might know. not have been the true story. We don't know. But poor the, Jeff. The writing is indicative of a higher rating. I would. I would feel that in reading it, I would think you'd get more out of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about a little bit about its legacy. So at the time, if you go back and look, there were a number of games. I think that. It influenced, right? Like Crystalis, SNK game on the NES mm-hmm. was basically a Zelda clone. Star Tropics. Yep. I, it's well known that Star Tropics was basically the Americanized version of a Zelda game yep. or, or an R- RPG or whatever. Like the guy's got a yo-yo and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, they, yeah. yeah, I played Star Tropics and I definitely remember that. Beyond Oasis on Genesis, great game I, I like. Um, Newtopia is a there's new newtopia one and two okay it was uh on turbo graphics uh, i i personally like newtopia fun games they're not zelda but it's it's a good zelda clone how like, do they if you stack were, up to fruitopia you know i never really cared for fruitopia fruitopia was fine so newtopia is better i would take newtopia and even newtopia 2 over fruitopia okay Fruitopia's so your, flavors were a weird blend, and I never really enjoyed them. So that's your that's your definitive one, two, three <laughs> ranking. If you gave Newtopia, <laughs> Newtopia two, Fruitopia. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> okay, and well. I I would include all flavors of Fruitopia. All if right. you go back and look at all the different flavors of Fruitopia, yeah, they're weird. Yeah. Well, somebody's over here just making blanket statements. So. Uh, <laughs> Dig it up and prove me wrong, folks. Prove <laughs> me wrong. And Crusaders Ascenti, which is a, a Genesis game that's like one of the most expensive Genesis games you can buy. Really? Yeah. It's absurd. Like, Is it good? Yeah. It is a good game. I think okay. that's the problem. It's the little Samson of the Genesis where I don't know if it's wow. necessarily as rare as it is, mm-hmm. but it is also desirable. Gotcha. So it's that, it's that thing where it's like... Yeah, I bought Kid Clown in Nightmare World. It's an awful game, but it's hard to find. No, but no, I've no. got it now. Yeah, yeah. Who's the idiot now? Me. But anyway, but no. Uh, so that the, I think the point there is it influenced a lot of games. And that's just in that era. If you look beyond that, who knows? Sure. You know, I mean, so. All right. I want to talk a little bit about speedrunning and collecting. We'll start with the collecting aspect. So I'm going to go ahead and sit back and let you yeah, I'll talk. take this, Take the wheel here for a little yeah, bit. Yes, yes, sir. This is mic time. So when we talk about collecting, especially as something that is well vetted as the NES, okay? The NES is one of those systems that... <laughs> it's a very professional podcast. Mm-hmm. How are those uh, Doritos? they good? They're real good. What kind What kind is it? The cool ranch. It's my, the best that's kind. Preference, yeah. that's, the best, that's the best Dorito. Like if I was ranking Doritos... Number one. Number one. Number one Dorito. Number two, Taco Bell flavor. Three, you, the classic, you mean yeah. the classic like nacho, yeah. not nacho, but the taco flavor. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the rest is all bullshit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Nacho cheese is for losers. Mm-hmm. He plebes. Anyway, <laughs> so when we talk about collecting something like The Legend of Zelda, it was released on the NES, right? Am I right? Is that right? That is correct. <laughs> Let me the check Nintendo my notes. Entertainment. Okay. Yeah. I was right. 
basically there are three versions of the cartridge and there's probably more but at its base there's three there is a five screw version mm -hmm. there's a three screw version and then and there's the dj the, screw version yeah that's exactly right <laughs> there's the screw attack version the chopped and screwed yes yes all these are collecting variants yes <laughs> i'm so sorry no you're fine so the I don't know how you know most people listening to this probably know this, but when Nintendo games first came out, like the first couple of years, they used five screws. And when they say five screws, like you have the top and the bottom of the game, and then you actually have the game itself inside of it. You used there were literally five screws: two in the top, you know, top left, top right corner, bottom right, bottom right corner, middle. And then what happened is at one point they moved to what they called Rev A or Revision A of the cartridge. Revision A of the cartridge is a three-screw cartridge. So you have the clips, like if you look at the, you know, the spine of a Nintendo game. Right. Some Nintendo games have um, like little clips in the corners of each end, and then some are flat, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The flat ones are the older ones. And okay. in general, they are also the harder ones to find because they are older. So like The Legend of Zelda, there was the five screw, and there was a couple versions of that. And then there was the three screw, and that's where they sold the majority of them. Okay. Right? And then there's the classics version, which is the gray cartridge, right? Right. Loose, like, cost on these things, if you just wanted to buy The Legend of Zelda loose, you'd pay 20 to $35, depending on the variant. Okay. Sure. So, basic three-screw variant in decent condition, probably $20. If you wanted a five-screw version that, does, that has the flat edges, right, and it, it would go paired with a, an original first printer or second printer of the sure. box, sure. it's going to be 35 And I will also say this. The better the condition that those things are in, the more expensive that they're getting. Because collectors are taking these five-screw variants... They're putting them in the right boxes, and then they're going and getting them graded for, for big money. Yep. And we'll talk about that. Because Complete, basically when you look at a Nintendo game, anything that was released as the classic series and The Legend of Zelda being one of those games, right. is usually perceived as the lesser or inferior version of the game. Sure. So in this case, Zelda, you had the gold cartridges. The, the classic series was on a, in a, on a great card. Yeah, their standard uh, Nintendo cartridge. Complete... A, a, you could probably pick up a, a rough condition Zelda classic series for 40 bucks. In it's somewhere in the middle of all that, where I should probably say, you know, whatever, I'm jumping ahead, but beyond that, I should say, if you have like a decent three screw version of the original, ver, you know, like the original, the cutout and all that stuff, $7,500. Sure. Okay. Then there's the mania. Okay. The mania of it all now is if you have a very nice condition or sealed version of either of these, but really of, let's say, the Rev-A three-screw or the five-screw, like the old, the, the first, yeah. Yeah. first or the second first press, printing. Yeah. you could be looking at thousands of dollars. If it's been graded by WADA or VGA or whoever it is, and it got a decent enough grade, you could be looking at serious money. Okay. Yeah. This is becoming a uh, very serious collectible. Uh, just video like, games, uh, yeah. Yeah, video games in general, just like, uh, you know. Baseball cards. Baseball cards. Comic books. Records, comic books. It's, it's all moving towards this, like, collectible thing where, mm -hmm. like, I have a hard time with it. But baseball cards, you don't do anything with them. Not sure, a lot. get them graded. There's no, I'm yeah. not, like, lining them up and putting, like, you know, like, uh, Will Clark at first base and Lou Whitaker at second base and making, like, a field with them. Not till next week when we do our baseball lineup. Now podcast. I kind of, yeah now I kind of want to but <laughs> but I, you wouldn't like you're not doing anything with them. No comic books, I get it. They're frail, right? Yeah. Like you want like Very. okay, put them in acrylic. You know, this is a hard to find version. But a video game, 
to me, it's always been like, okay, this thing is to be played. Yeah, this is but, utilitarian. Yeah, it has its purpose, and the purpose is to insert it into the console and play it, whatever. But anyway, the moral of the story is that these things are getting absurdly expensive. They are indeed. What I also think is fascinating about it, and I really don't want to pontificate too much on this, is the older you get, the more expensive they become, right? So as you get to the first or the second presses, the circle versus the oval logo or the seal of approval or the different the R versus the team, all this stuff. They get more expensive. But you can't tell me that the hardest to find version of this is the gray cart. You sold millions of these things in the gold cartridge. The gray cart is easily the harder of the two to find. Not hard to, to find. It has to be. But harder. And that just speaks to, when we talk about collecting, yeah. uh, rarity versus desirability or the combination of both. Yep. Because nobody wants the classics. I'm sitting here looking right at... I've got an original first print print of Zelda in the box, yep. five screw cart, blah, blah, blah. And then right next to it is the classic series, and it has the red on it. When you look at those two, you look at it and go, it's inferior. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. It says classic series on it. It doesn't have the cutout. I can't see the cartridge. At its core, it's the same premise. It is. But it's just not as desirable. But I'm yeah. telling you, there's got to be millions less of the gray cartridge. If I had to guess, I would say the gray cartridge, uh, as far as copies that are still circulating around, let's say there's 5 million copies still circulating around, it's probably you know 1 million gray to 4 at, million gold. At, at most. At most. At most. I agree with you. It's because probably when you, less when than you, that. Yeah, when you go out looking for this game, I almost always see the gold cart version of it. And I'll be honest with you. It is more visually appealing. Sure. So if I was going to collect this game, if this was something I was going to get into as far as getting like a, you know, a very nice copy, I would want an original five-screw gold cart. It's no different than wanting the six-eye mono press of uh, a Miles kind of Davis blue record. Or, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. It's no exactly. different than that. I exactly. get it. People and want... I have the six-eye, you know. Oh, do I, you? I, yes, I do, of course. How many? Just one? Got a couple. Jerry mentioned it, but he owns a record store too. Yeah, so. I've got a couple. If you have I've a couple, I might. <laughs> we might need to talk about that. Yeah, we can negotiate. I'm trying to complete this NES set, and I probably should talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I haven't even mentioned it, but I am a collector. I've mentioned that. I am at 651 of the 677 US NTSC licensed cartridges. Now, so you're there's just an, 26 short at this point. That's I am crazy. 26 short, and I've got some big hitters on there. And really, what I've been trying to do is collect locally i've tried my best to source all these locally as as i can and i've been pretty lucky i'm not from a (laughs) i haven't been lucky from a dollar's perspective but i'm lucky in finding them absolutely but i still need things like power blade 2 and panic restaurant and little samson because they really don't ever show up they're all in the hands of people who know what they are and want to sell them and that's fine one copy of little samson surfaced locally and it was not in the best condition and i didn't even know about it and it sold so quickly instantly yeah and it's like it but i wouldn't have wanted it but the the point is like yes i do need to find it and i will and you know i'll pay for it it's the way it is um that's just like market value on it of course but but yes i like the way people devy up their sets is there's licensed and unlicensed there's ntsc u there's ntsc j there's pal there's all these different things there's the the hong kong blah 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 games whatever it is sure i'm collecting literally what, what people have agreed upon and when i say earlier this set has been pretty well vetted. 
there's a lot of documentation about versions and blah blah blah. Like I don't want to get too far. In it. I want to talk about collecting, but I don't want to delve too far into the minutia sure. of it. That's not the whole point of the podcast. But it is generally agreed upon that there are 677 licensed games, not including world championships, not including these things that you could not buy off of the shelf. Mm-hmm. And one, you know, one of those games is stadium events, and it's going to be a doozy, and I'm going to, have to figure it out someday. <laughs> but it, it, and I am going to go for it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, tr- I'm going to try oh, I, and get I it. I believe you. I'm aware. Um, but uh, I don't really remember where I was going with all that. Just that the uh, <laughs> just, you don't remember either. No, just just that the you know the collectability of these things is uh, absurd. It, it it can be, yeah, you know, and and there are so many different types of collectors and things like that. I would consider myself to be a very casual uh sort of you know uh video game fan it's just not something i collect you filthy casual you now, collect records i well it i wish i just collected records my wife would really like me to pare it down to just two or three collections but unfortunately i collect records and i collect toys and i collect you know uh vintage uh, t-shirts and i collect hats and i you know hot girls phone numbers uh, not so much. I don't have any of those. No, just just, just the wife. Yeah, and, same. Uh, I have you your know. wife's number too. Yeah, good. It's a good number. Yeah, you might <laughs> four <It's> two. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, you different wife. Yeah, I changed it. Um, but yeah, so you know, it's it's uh, it's just to say that the collectability of these things can get um, sort of off the rails depending on how willing to go off the rails you are. Yes. Anyway, all right. Enough about all that crap. We'll yeah. talk more about collecting and. Probably every episode, really. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because I'm, I'm lost in it. <laughs> yeah, but he's right. close. So let's talk a little bit about speedrunning. So like, sure. there's a huge community now around speedrunning, right? For the last like I'd say 15 to 20 years, it's been like this bubbling thing, and now it is like beyond mainstream. Like this is like people do this as their job. People like sit at home, they stream 50, 60 hours a week, and that's what they do. And this game is, you know, generally what is perceived as the most prestigious records are, you know, having the best speed in a game like Le- The Legend of Zelda or Super Mario, or the, super, the first Super Mario Brothers. You know, and, and like I said, pe- people do these things. These are not the, the tasks, as people call them, or tool-assisted speed runs, okay? These are people playing the actual game. Because there's right. a way now that you can say, do this thing. Like, I'm going to program it to say, at this exact moment, provide this input. And then it will do this thing, and you can determine what the theoretical fastest way to complete something is. It's sure. good for understanding what the real cap- possibilities are. Right. But tool sets and speedrunning is not something I'm ever interested in. But speedrunning in general, so there's there's a bunch of different records for this, including the second quest, which I don't count because that game is that's bullshit. It's a different game. The second game. quest is like it's like my uh, I imagine that when I'm like 14. My my brother is six. One of my brothers is six years younger than me. Sure. I would have imagined my eight year old brother would be like, "Okay, this is where all the stuff goes in Legend of Zelda now." And plus, everything's way harder, man. Like that, you can burn down people's houses. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> you don't even need the raft. Link can now swim. Like, but it's so much harder because there are piranha in the water. It's true. But it, I just true. I don't I don't really I, I don't really speak to any of the 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 second quest part of this. So the way I broke it down here is. The way it's broken down in the speedrunning community is there's 100%, right? That's finishing the game. Right. Then there's a version of 100% where you cannot use what's called up and A. So up and A allows you to pull up on the second controller. If you have two controllers hooked up, well, then, you know, 
the Nintendo is playing The Legend of Zelda, it brings you up to a save menu. Gotcha. So you can save and end the game very quickly. As opposed to if you've ever tried to do this, okay, I have 14 heart containers in The Legend of Zelda, and I have to die and save the game because it's the only way to do it. It takes forever. It does. It yeah. takes forever. Okay? So basically it's a way to circumvent that if you wanted to, like, end, like it helps you escape dungeons faster, it moves you to places quicker, whatever. And then there's the ending percentage, which is not, you know, not completing doing everything in the game, which is like beating all eight or eight dungeons, Ganon, getting every item, whatever it is. There's the ending percentage, and then there's the ending percentage with no up A, which is the save shortcut. Gotcha. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go uh, from slowest to fastest. And amazingly, yes, no, that's right. So the slowest one would be 100%ing the game, getting 100% of all the items in the game, doing everything in it, completing all the dungeons, whatever, getting every heart container, whatever. Not using the save. Right. 35 minutes and 24 seconds. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's getting everything in the game and not using any way to circumvent saving. Like, literally, like, you know, like, you're, you're, you finished a dungeon and you have to wait and walk out or whatever, yeah. whatever it is. 35 minutes. I remember the first time I beat this game, I felt like it took weeks. Absolutely. If my battery would save. Right. Which we haven't talked about, but, like... Some of these Nintendo cartridges I have that are 33 years old, the batteries still work. Yeah, it's I mean, incredible. I'm to swap them out now, no big deal. It's actually a very simple thing. But it kind of hurts my head a little bit. This 33-year-old battery works, and then, like, my cell phone can't work all day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy that they were able to make that work. All right. So, and then the 100% using up an A, 34 minutes and 34 seconds. So you're basically saving, like, 50 seconds by using that shortcut. Just barely, anytime. Yep. Yeah. And um, I probably should say that 100% no up and A was by Lacatech24. This is all from speedrun.com. So at the current time when we're recording this, which is August 10th, okay, 2020, the worst year known to man. <laughs> worst okay. year ever. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Lacatech24 held that re- holds that record currently. And then the 100%... With with up and a with using that shortcut is by a guy named uh, Shixel, I believe, or Shixel. I don't know, one or the other. So then we have the any category where it's like you don't you don't have to go get every heart container. You can you know what I've realized is that when these guys speed run, they don't go from like dungeon one, two, three, four. They go to like two to five to eight to they're done or whatever right. it is. I don't. It's you know. just the quickest route. Yes, it is. Yeah. How can I? Comp- what are, what are the bare necessities for me to complete the game? And that's how they do it. So using that shortcut. Are not using that shortcut, it is any percentage, no up and A, no shortcut of saving, 28 minutes and 9 seconds. Again, by lack of Tech 24. Wow. Proficient speedrunner, apparently. Uh, it would would appear so. In a very yeah. prestigious game. Yeah, no kidding. And then the any percentage, which is the fastest, so you are using the up and A shortcut, 27 minutes and 37 seconds. Green Mario. Green Mario is the, the speedrunner's name. Also now, known as... Luigi. Luigi. Yeah. <laughs> A.K.A. Luigi. Yeah. A.K.A. Player 2. A.K.A. the guy nobody ever played with. Unless yeah. you needed to jump really high on that one level in Super Mario Bros. 2. Yeah. That was pretty much why you needed, needed him. him for that. Oh, and yeah. Luigi's Mansion was good. Yep. It absolutely was. Yeah. So, but, yeah. I remember the first time beating this game. It took me forever. Mm-hmm. And these people, like, literally sit down and beat the game in a half an hour. I have to be real honest when it comes to the speed running stuff. I, one of the great pleasures that I take in these games is taking my time. Yes. And uh, the fact that I can just, you know, if I've defeated all the enemies on a screen, for, for example, yeah, I can set down the controller, walk into another room, do something else, and then come back to it. You want to hear something really funny? I like funny things, yeah. Oh, good. That's relevant to your interest. Yes. 
I've watched people speedrun games on YouTube or Twitch in NES games in two and three minutes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is dumb. The Great Waldo Search. Oh, yes. I yeah. watched a guy complete that game in like two minutes and 15 seconds. That's insane. That's sad that somebody paid $60 for that. It is. It and makes the, me think about that. You know what the saddest part about that is? To completely derail this conversation away from The Legend of Zelda and speedrunning? When I watched him speedrun it, which didn't take long. No. I couldn't tell which one was Waldo. You can't tell. You're just randomly going to an area and pressing a button hoping it gives you the right sound. It didn't, there was one area where it was completely dark. I think it was called the cave. Huh. How am I supposed to know where Waldo I can barely find the guy as it is, and now it's completely dark. Join us next week for our episode on the Great Waldo Search. <laughs> well, I have it. It's not one of the games I still need, I'll tell you that. It is not a desirable, rare, expensive game. So Right. Anyway. But yeah, so that's a little bit about that, but... All right. So let's just talk a little bit about some sort of like uh, miscellaneous facts about sure. the title. Sure. Some um, randos. If you want to get to the second quest, you can start the game just by using Zelda as <laughs> as your uh, your login name. Editor's I wouldn't note. recommend this. Yeah, editors know. Don't. Don't. It's yeah. fine. There are going to be people out there like, oh, the second quest is far superior. Yeah, yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah, I mean, Beatles for Sale is the best Beatles record. Yeah. Well, spare me your contrarian opinion. It's silly. Um, I mean, y- you can certainly do that. And, you know, if you've played the first quest a million times and you just want to play the second quest, sure, go right go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the recorder uh, plays the same tune as the warp whistle in Super Mario Brothers 3, which I think is also kind of interesting because it's also a very similar animation when you're in the overworld map that you're sort of whisked away by a tornado. Yeah. And it's sort of a very similar animation in Super Mario Brothers 3 that you're whisked away to the, the new world by a tornado. One of the things I realized as I was researching is that it's not, it, it's very common that there's this overlap. Right, like there's pictures of Mario in this Zelda game, or you know the the same tune that you play in Zelda is what shows up in Super Mario Brothers three or whatever it uh-huh. is. Yeah, like they're all self aware. They know what's going on. Of course, they know what they're doing. or they're lazy. <laughs> like, hey, let's write a new song. Just use the other one. A little bit from column A, a little yeah. bit from column B. No one, listen. No one's gonna care about this in twenty five years. Just <laughs> use the song from the whistle for the warp whistle in Super Mario Brothers three. Mm-hmm. No one will even notice. Right. And here we are, two nerds, twenty. Well, yeah, 20, 30 plus years later. Can you believe they used the same sound effect? <laughs> in, in episode four, <laughs> Itchy hits the same rhythm. Wizards. And wizards. It, re- it resonates. It was wizards. It resonates. It's, it plays the same note. What are we supposed to believe? Is some sort of magic xylophone? Like, anyway. Wizards did that. It was wizard. It was all Merlins. Mm-hmm. I like to call wizards Merlins. It just sounds that. funny. That's something I picked up. Merlin's a good word. Yeah. He's a Merlin. Yeah. Sounds okay. like your you know your derogatory term for wizards. But it's not. It's an endearing term. Like a Merlin is a very powerful dude. I guess. But I guess I could see where you might perceive it as negative. He's a Merlin. He's a freaking Merlin. Just a Merlin. That guy's a Merlin, like a moron, but yeah. but a moron wizard or Merlin. That's not. That's not what it is. All right. So you ever heard of the game Clue Clue Land? Nope. Well, it exists. Is that the nicest thing you have to say about it? Sadly, I wish I had more nice things to say about it. Cuckoo Land was a, a launch title for the NES. Okay. Not a not a good game. Yeah. Let's put it this way. It was released the same time as Excite Bike and Super Mario Brothers, but I just asked you about it and you don't even know it exists. Nah. Did you know Excite Bike was also developed by Miyamoto? Uh, 
I think I knew that at some point. I didn't know it now. <laughs> Excite Bike's great. Excite Bike is one of those early NES games that is still playable. I'll say that. I love um, Excite Bike. Yeah, it's a good game. I remember my neighbors across the street having Excite Bike and golf. Yeah. His dad, the guy's dad or stepdad, was a big golfer. Yeah. And he loved it. Like, he was like, this is amazing. Of course. Yeah. And, like, looking back, I'm like, it's not. It sucks. But, but Excite Bike kind of still is. Pretty good. Yeah. Proto skate, skate or die. <laughs> Let's not talk about those. But yeah, so the whole point of bringing up Cuckoo Land is the rupees, like that, that those, you know, diamonds, yeah, rupees, course, whatever, in the game. Through the game. Yeah. That sprite came directly from Cuckoo Land. Like oh, that was in okay. Cuckoo Land first. Yeah. I so. can't believe that we didn't uh, recognize it. Yeah. Again, I think it was just laziness. They were like, you know what? Nobody bought Clue Clue We don't need to design this again. It's awful. Steal the steal the gem from Clue Clue and put it in a Zelda. People won't even care or notice. Right. And, and most did. And to be fair, 99.99% of the population doesn't I'm just it. hearing about it. Yeah. yeah this, is, this is exactly it's news to you. I'm sorry to break it to you. Yeah, it's okay. All right. So I think one of the other um, interesting facts about the game was, you know, we, um, we talked about the Famicom. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that was in the manual, yeah, as I pull it out of my classic series, because I don't want to open that first print. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. I don't even want to take it out of the. Prote- I have box protectors, guys. <laughs> That's what kind of nerd I am. All right, I'm pulling out my gray cart. Ooh, look, it's got the insert. I pulled the ultimate one up. It says, "Wow, exciting!" Thanks to Nintendo Power, subscribe today and <laughs> dynamite your scores to heart thrilling heights. This is a little bit like a Christmas story when uh, he gets the decoder ring that just tells him to continue to listen to, uh, you know, the same radio program. Yes. It's, Be sure uh, to tune in. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a Nintendo insert telling you to subscribe to Nintendo Power. All right. So I'm going to pull up the enemies here. We're talking about Paul's voice. So one of the interesting things about the Famicom was that it had a microphone in the controller mm-hmm. one of the uninteresting things about it is that the controllers were hardwired to the console oh, Lord. and they were quite short from a cord perspective <laughs> which meant you either had to sit very close to your television or have a very long cord connecting the tv to the console itself sure not uh ideal not ideal yeah but in these overworld that's the overworld so the underworld there's zola zola is the name Zola I think that's what is you said. The, the water creature. I said Zoda because I was thinking Zoda. of Star Tropics too. I like Zoda. Half fish, half woman. Okay. There's your problem. New information. Who lives in the water? When she sticks her head out of the water, she lets out a ball that let that Link's little shield can't hold back. But you know what? When you get that big shield, fuck Zola. It's true. Then you can stab her. That's right. Hate crime. Hate crime. All right. Against fish folk. But yes. So Paul's voice. Is the rabbits right? You remember the rabbits that bounce up and down, right? You okay. gotta kill them with the arrows. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. the, the rabbit heads, kind of yes. is what I always thought they were in the Japanese version of this game, and probably the, the US version, although there's no way to do it. You would use the microphone in the, in the controller, it, it literally says in the manual, Paul's voice, a ghost with big ears and a weak point, he hates loud noises. I thought, when I, because I had this, I had this mm-hmm. manual, this is not the same one, but I had this manual. 
I thought it was, well, let me play this whistle. Let me play the recorder. Of and course. Then the, right. And it did nothing. <laughs> and come to find out, years, decades later, I found out Famicom has a, has a microphone. You would yell into the microphone or something <laughs> or whistle or fart or whatever right. you want. And if I'm not mistaken, in like in the angry video game nerd, he screams fuck right into it. And it kills all the Poles voice. Right. I want that. That would be convenient. I need a fam. I don't even have a Famicom. I had a Super Famicom for a while. Never used it. Whatever. Right. But I don't have a Famicom. I want one just to do this. Yeah, that's amazing. It is because those guys are also a little annoying. <laughs> well, if if I could just yell into the microphone, if I could just yell and they'd all die, perfect. My whole life would be better in general if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- you know, this has been I would say murdered. Like it's been beaten to death, but. Zelda was named after F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife, Zelda. Zelda Fitzgerald. Yeah. Who Miyamoto had the hots for. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, that's it. That's it. That's it's us talking about Legend of Zelda. Just one of the greatest video games of all time. Yeah, and absolutely. We certainly didn't do it any justice whatsoever. Uh, horrible, horrible. We room. did a great job. Yeah. I'd like to think that I did. Yeah. But well, I would be wrong. <laughs> At least one of us did a great job. Tell us who. Yeah. Yeah, somebody, anybody, please, God, just, just say hello. Just tell us who. We're dying for attention. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to give us attention, guess what? There's a way to do that. We have social media. Absolutely. Jerry, I'll have to hook you up with this. Okay. Uh, we we are on Instagram and Twitter as Lost Joystick. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitch as Lost Joystick Network. Uh, you can also get a hold of us uh, by email at info at lostjoysticknetwork.com so if you have any uh, feedback and don't want to leave it as a public comment feel free to email us there do you have or are you interested in providing your personal instagram if people want to follow you uh sure sure my uh, <laughs> it's coach billy sunday yeah my, my instagram <laughs> is coach billy sunday i uh post on it not very often at all your lurker uh yeah i would yeah maybe I, I, I run a record store here in Flint called Jack's Record Stash, and I have an Instagram account for that, which I post on pretty frequently. And as my posting for the store picked up, my personal posting kind of died down. Here's the other thing with my personal Instagram posts. A lot of it would be me doing things or Nobody like my wife that. and I going out and doing things. If you want to and see what Jerry's I wife don't, looks like. I don't do things anymore. <laughs> Uh, I'm too old to do things. It's not just that, but we we are on a, a temporary pause on uh, society because of uh, because of the pandemic. So you know what? Uh, Mike doesn't know this. I'm actually just telling him right now, and he's pretty upset. But um, you know, I, I don't really. I'm not really going to a lot of concerts nowadays. I'm not really doing a lot of like fun. You know, not doing a lot of traveling. I things like knew that. all this. So so uh, I got yeah. the internet. But yeah, you can uh, you can check me out, uh, Coach Billy Sunday or Jack's Record Stash, and you can check the show out on Instagram or Twitter, Lost Joystick uh, or Lost Joystick Network on Facebook and Twitch. I am also I have I have. It's funny you say that because when you said I went from posting on my personal account to my work account, yeah, I can I have my I had a personal Instagram account. I still have it, but I don't really use it much because it was really for records and beer, right? And then, like, I kind of got back into the whole video game thing and was collecting, and I created an account specific to that, which is probably the one most relevant to any person. And and thank you for getting to this point if you are out there. (laughs) Okay. But any person who's listening to this at this point, uh, my Instagram account is platform agnostic, 
And uh, it really is just pictures of things that I have or have purchased or are potentially thinking about trading for the NES games I need because some of them are really fucking expensive and it hurts. It yeah. hurts my soul. Yeah, but you have other things that are also expensive that you would like to sell or trade to pick up the things. Well, I'm in the market, need. man. I'm out there. I'm aware. I'm so. aware. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Uh, that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening again. If you made it to this point, we probably owe you some kind of money. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, so go out there, have fun, be safe, and be excellent to each other.